Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland, psychoanalyst and eating disorder specialist, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, spending hours and hours and hours and hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. And today, we are going to talk about unveiling the truth about fitness myths, fit or fiction, as as it were. And um, let me ask you this. Do you love working out? or not so much. Fitness doesn't have to feel like a chore or a punishment, and yet there are so many false ideas about working out. Like, oh, if I lift, I'm going to get really bulky and big, or losing weight means hours and hours of boring cardio, or taking a rest means failure. So those ideas often backfire, they sap our energy, they slow our metabolism, and they erode our self-confidence. And the cost to our health and our self-esteem is too high. And that is why I am so thrilled to welcome Dr. Victoria Burgess onto my show to debunk the myths about exercise. Let me tell you about Victoria. She has a doctorate in health and human performance, is a certified strength and conditioning specialist, a certified sports nutritionist. She also coaches a wide range of clients from professional athletes to everyday people. And she is an adjunct professor in nutrition who's involved in sports science research. And if that was not enough, she holds a world record in paddleboarding. And, you know, I could go on, but that would take up most of, of our time to, today. So I will just end by saying she is also my trainer, and I can vouch that she is amazing. So welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. So there are so many common misconceptions about exercise and weight loss. What would you say the most common myth is that you encounter? Oh. That is a loaded question. Um, you know, I mean, gosh, there's so many myths. I, I mean, just to, the most common one, I guess, would be if I want to lose weight, I shouldn't eat. And I think that goes from way, way back then. I feel like these days and with the internet and having access to like solid data and information that people can look up, maybe we're a little bit better than we used to be. But I think that that's probably one of the biggest things is under eating and thinking that that's going to help. Yeah, I listen with all the information out there. There's also a lot of information that says eat clean, only eat 1200 calories, do this, do that, you'll lose weight. And of course, it works for a limited period of time. But explain a little bit more about why eating less is actually going to backfire if you want to lose weight. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, what we forget to remember is that eating is actually our fuel to survive and to live. I think a lot of times, like we just think we eat because we're hungry. <laughs> and if we're not hungry, then, you know, maybe we shouldn't eat. Um, but we forget that the, the calories 
is the energy, you know, energy, calories equal energy. So when we're not eating, our metabolism is going to then slow down to be able to provide energy for our organs to function, basically. Um, I'm sure many people who are listening have heard that, oh, yeah, you're not eating, your metabolism slows down. But a lot of times it doesn't really make sense to a lot of people like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not eating a lot. How come I'm not losing weight? You know, well, your body's using that energy that you're intaking, which is very little sometimes, for your heart to function, for your digestive system to function, your brain to function, like me to move my hands when I talk, um, that all takes calories. So yeah, under eating definitely slows metabolism down because that's the first thing that the body's like, all right, I can slow that down a little. It's not detrimental. I'm not going to die if I do yet. Um, and then you in turn then slow down your movements. Like I might not walk as fast, even though you're not actually seen as, as that you still putting out the effort, but you're not moving as fast. You're not, you know, your body's just kind of slowing everything down essentially. And, and when we talk about slowing the metabolism, like people don't realize that means your body needs fewer calories just to keep your heart pumping and, you know, all, all the things that we need just for fuel. So now it needs less so that when we start eating normally again, or we're not in that deficit, what happens? Yeah, it takes a little bit to like refeed or retrain your body to utilize the calories after you've unrate for a bit. Um, just because your body is trying to figure out, you know, there's always a delayed response in anything. Even if you're eating, you know, the right amount of calories, you're trying to gain muscle. There's always going to be a delayed response, which is why consistency is so important. Um, but yeah, I mean, so typically, usually it takes about two to four weeks sometimes to where some people actually wind up gaining a little bit of weight. Um, and holding out through that period of time before your body's metabolism starts to pick back up again and process the energy as it's needed. And, and your body will be like, oh my gosh, like, what am I supposed to do with all of this? This is awesome. You know? So when it comes down to it, if, if anybody wants to ever run their resting metabolic rate, that's basically how many calories your body needs just to function. Um, if I was just to sit here and not move, your resting metabolic rate is the energy your body needs to perform. The taller you are, the younger you are, the heavy, you know, heavier you are, the more calories you actually need because you're just bigger in mass, um, whether it be muscle or, or fat mass, either way. So, you know, a lot of times I'll run resting metabolic rates for people and they're like, what? That's more than I eat in a day. And my body needs that just to sit here and be normal. Um, so yeah, it's kind of shocking sometimes. And, and how do you figure out your resting metabolic rate? I mean, there's definitely a few calculations that have been proven to be valid and reliable. Um, the Mifflin St. Dior, D. Dior, <laughs> is one of the most accurate. <laughs> um, and then obviously, if you did like a VO2 max or like just a, a oxygen, you know, where you just sit and you can measure it through that kind of a uh, program as well. Okay, I have no idea what that is. Those were just a bunch of le letters. <laughs> <laughs> what is a VO2 max? What is so, like Yeah, you know when you see people running on a treadmill with a thing on their face and they're just they're mostly athletes trying to measure how much oxygen they consume, but there's tests that they could run with that same mask with how your oxygen is exchanged uh, to calculate your actual you in specific your resting metabolic rate. So that's going to be the most accurate for you, but the Mifflin St. Dior uh, calculation is what a lot of people use when they don't have access to that. That's very valid and reliable. 
All right. Well, I'm going to get the link to that or more information about that. So I, I, I will post it in the, like the show notes. But but basically, the, it sounds so counterintuitive. But if you want to lose weight, you have to eat more. And that's what I think a lot of people do not understand. And they just eat less and fewer and fewer and fewer calories. And then they're so frustrated that they are not losing weight. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you start thinking about it, um, when you're fueling your body, like, you know, you, you eat less and you're doing more exercise most of the time is what's happening, right? Because you're like, I have to lose this weight. I have to lose this weight. When you're actually fueling your body, now your body can use that extra fuel to supply your muscles with the energy it needs for the exercises. And if you do that, you're lifting heavier or you're running faster or your output in whatever you're doing is going to be better. Even if you think it's good now, it's going to be better. Um, when you're actually giving your body the fuel it needs. And then in exchange, you're going to gain muscle mass. You're going to lose fat mass. Everything's going to kind of gel a lot better. So when you start thinking about the fuel as like, this is the way I need to perform at my best, even if you're not an athlete, your best in whatever you're doing, um, even your brain, <laughs> your body needs those calories for brain brain function too. If you start thinking of it like that, it makes it a little bit easier to get in the extra calories when it seems counterintuitive. So I, I have a question for you from someone, but first I want to invite anyone who's listening. If you have a question for Victoria, the number is 866-472-5792, 866-472-5792. You are welcome to call in with any question about this. So here is a question that someone wanted to ask you, which is, do they have to absolutely track their macros, think about everything? Do they have to weigh everything? Can they can they maybe just like like guesstimate by looking at the palm of their hand as that's like four ounces or whatever? Like, a, do, do uh, is the only way to do this to just get so specific and and count macros and all of that and weigh everything? Or, or can you be more intuitive? Can you guesstimate? How rigid do you have to be? Yeah. So, I mean, nope, that's not the only way you have to do that, but it really depends on what your goals are, to be honest with you. Um, you know, if you're a performing athlete and you need fuel because you have to run tons of volume, then you probably want to track so you can know what kind of calories you need or else you're not going to recover properly. If you're somebody who's losing or looking to lose 20 or 30 pounds, you could eat intuitively, but chances are maybe you're not eating enough and you actually have to eat more. So if you don't track, even if it's just in the beginning, a lot of times it's hard to see those numbers. So I, I love intuitive eating and I think it's great for just maintaining your life in general. Um, but when you have a specific goal to reach, tracking obviously is going to be the most accurate way to get there. Whether or not you're weighing everything in grams on the scale or you're kind of just like, okay, it looks like a cup, a few ounces, you know, here or there, that still works. It might not push you as quickly as you'd like to your results, um, but it's still going to work. So, you know, anything is better than nothing for sure. Yes, and th and that's a great point. It's it's not perfect or nothing. And let's say you are a woman who's in her early fifties dealing with menopause. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like all of a sudden all the things that that like used to work no longer work. I know, like I came to you because I was just like I didn't gain weight, but I just went, wait, what happened to my abs? Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. And and it was really very eye-opening for all that I know. I mean, I'm certainly not a dietitian or a nutritionist, but I know a lot because I, I help people with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So I, I know a lot about nutrition, but it was still such a hurdle for me to, to, to go like, okay, I've got to eat more and especially yeah. protein. And counting really helps you realize how you're not eating as much of certain things as you think. Yep, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, for sure with protein. <laughs> it's funny because even myself, when I started tracking a long time ago, I was like, I eat protein and it it was literally probably under 60 grams a day, which was crazy at the level I was performing. So it was not beneficial. And yeah, it just changed my life when I ate, started eating more. So yeah, when women are approaching menopause, if, if you're not doing things to make yourself knowledgeable in an area, regardless of what it is, you don't know, number one, what's going on and you don't know what to change. So when your body's going through all these changes that you're like, okay, now, like, what the heck is going on? Um, well, if you don't know already what you've been doing and you don't take the time to figure out maybe what's changing, you're just going to be guessing, you know, and that's where a lot of people, I don't want to say waste time, but waste time because eventually it all comes down to the fact that like, even if you went to the doctor for a medication, which we obviously are trying to avoid, you know, we want to try to take things more naturally and just in that whole realm, they're going to be like, what are you doing? And you're going to say, I don't know, (laughs) you know, so if you look at it as an educational piece, as a pain in the butt as tracking is, just learn yourself, like learn what you're doing. Um, Even if you're not tracking, maybe you write down what you're eating, like four ounces of chicken or a handful of chicken pieces or, you know, whatever it might be, five cups of salad today, you know, just keeping track and seeing like, what are my, not just one day, not just one week, but like, what am I actually doing here? And like, what do I have to change then? And that's kind of like the best way to approach it because otherwise, you know, with menopause, everybody's so different in what's happening. Um, You're just going to be shooting in the dark basically. And, you know, eventually hopefully find something that's going to help you, but the more you can know and like cancel things out, the better. Yeah. Let me ask you also, while we're talking about protein, um, I know someone who was recently put on this uh, plan and they were supposed to eat all this meat and they were told you need to eat all this meat and she's more of a vegetarian type person and this is not a sustainable thing and also she was told hey we're, you're, you have to eat 1500 calories and next week you need to eat 1700 calories like I yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I could see your face like mm. um, for those of you who are listening as I'm saying that Victoria's like groaning inwardly, I I can tell. All right. So (laughs) what if you just, you just, you know, you need protein, but you don't, either you're a vegetarian or you're just not that much into meat. What do you do then? I mean, first of all, finding ways that are sustainable for your lifestyle is really important. Even if it's just off the protein topic, just getting enough calories in general and building up slowly in ways that make sense and not feeling you're going to puke because now you're eating 500 more tomorrow. Like we need to work up slowly. So remember that doesn't have to be like, you're not a failure if you didn't eat the 500 extra that you actually need over a month. Like you took you a whole month to even figure it out, you know, even more. Um, With the protein though, I mean, obviously beans, legumes, all that stuff has protein, peas, uh, tofu is actually a really good source of protein uh, because it doesn't really taste like anything. It may taste like everything. Um, So there's a ton of different 
ways you can get protein in. Of course, the most lean protein is going to be through meat sources or like whey protein or powders. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. With the other stuff, obviously, usually includes a little bit of fat and carbs, which is not bad anyways, because we need those too. And they're, they're usually complex sources of carbohydrates, and we want that. So there's a lot of different options, little pieces of protein here and there. So maybe I throw some green peas or chickpeas on my salad, and maybe I throw a little cheese or something or an egg, cut up an egg on the side of something, you know, so those little bits, those five grams extra add up over the course of a day. And we often discount them. Like we think I've got to get 120 grams of protein in today. Um, how am I going to eat three meals with that? Like how big is my chicken going to have to be? You know, but we forget about, but I also could have yogurt I have my protein shake. You know, I threw a little bit of this on there, a little bit of this on there. And next thing you know, you're there. You didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. And you introduced me to core power, the core power yeah, milk protein drinks, which are super yummy. And they've got 27 grams of protein. They're great. And you oh. know what I've been doing? I freeze them in my, I have a creamy. I freeze them and I blend them. And they taste just like a Wendy's Frosty. There you go. A healthy, a healthy way to get your protein. Oh, so good. So when it comes to weight loss, there's often this idea of, well, I just need to exercise more and eat less. When actually you, you, it's the it's the opposite, isn't it, for many people? You have to eat more and and this again sounds so counterintuitive, and exercise less or differently. Can yes. you speak? That. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. A lot of times when we say exercise in this case, most often people are like, I need to do more cardio. So that's the first thing that comes to mind is like, I have to start running or going on the elliptical or something like that. So, and then they stop eating. So now they're doing more cardio, which needs more calories. And then they're stopping eating. And now the body's all out of whack. All hormones are being released all over the place. Um, cortisol levels are going off the roof. What what really is the best thing to do would be to include weight training, <laughs> decrease cardio a little bit, and increase your uh, the volume of food or your calorie intake, depending on where you're at. As far as your output with certain exercises, it's not bad to do cardio. I'm a cardio athlete. You just have to eat for it. And a lot of times when people are using cardio just to lose weight, they stop eating and they do extra cardio. And that's kind of where it goes a little bit wrong. So yeah, I always ask people like, is cardio something that you like to do? Cause I don't want to take it out if you enjoy it. Um, yes. Okay. We're going to set your calories up a little bit different because you need them. Even if you're just fueling for around those days or around those workouts for those specific activities, at least you're giving your body what it needs for those times. So, and weight training has been, a, a total game changer, but weight training the right way. Yeah. Yeah. So weight training, I mean, weight training is amazing, amazing for everybody, especially women. As we age, we need to do it all the time. Like when we're 90 years old, we need to be lifting those two pound weights. You know, um, it's really important just to help bone mineral density. It helps keep that lean muscle. And as we age, lean muscle goes away really fast. Um, and it's harder to get. It's already hard to get it as, as it is when you're younger. The typical range is like a pound or a half a pound to a pound a month that you could gain in lean muscle when you're eating in a surplus. So imagine like now you're in a deficit and trying to lift, it's going to pack on slower. But if you lift, if you're lifting, it's still, you're still going to gain that muscle mass as you go along. Protein is going to help and making sure you're fueling enough is going to help. 
So, and especially us as women, we need, we need muscle. And I, I can say I am living proof of that because I had not changed anything. I thought I was eating so perfectly. I, I was not eating enough protein for sure. <laughs> Victoria set me straight. And I was doing a lot of like vigorous exercise, but not. But when I was lifting, I was doing different things, different days. Uh, you know, it wasn't in a, in a way that was helping me. And I couldn't understand why I was doing all of this. What happened to my abs? But by, I'm, I'm happy to share that my abs are back. And I'm, yes. by eating more and, and exercising differently. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's, I don't want to ever discount people from lifting, just going to lift, because obviously that's still important. If, if somebody, you know, is just going to the gym and just lifting a weight, that's great. Um, there is obviously a great outcome with progressive overload lifting, um, and just making sure you're stimulating your muscles using different technique. Um, that really helps with just muscle growth in general, even making sure you structure and rest periods, rest weeks, things like that, um, that we don't often take into account, but, um, just going in there and lifting for sure. Great. Challenging yourself and making sure you're continuing to push is another thing. A lot of times we enter the gym or even our house and we just pick up the dumbbells and we're like looking at the TV and we're like, better than nothing for sure. Um, but you want to challenge yourself. Like what weight is, what weight is that in a month? Can you lift a little bit more? You know, in two months, maybe you like go and buy a couple extra pounds, you know, so how can you challenge yourself? And even if it's not in this like fancy structured way, um, just continually pushing yourself to get those muscles to grow a little bit because your body will adapt to whatever it is that you give it over a certain period of time. And it's going to seem easy, which is good because you're getting in shape, you know, your muscles are growing, but your body's smart. So it's going to find ways to start cheating you out <laughs> and you're going to take over and you're not going to focus as much on using certain muscles because the bigger ones are going to take over. And now you're not working certain areas as much. So you really want to stay present within your lifts. Um, even if you're just like, oh, I'm not following a, a, structured plan, just be mindful when you're there and be purposeful and you can get good outcomes for sure. When I, when I started, I, I went like tricep kickbacks. I, I was like three pounds were hard and now I can do 15 pounds and that's in a year. Yeah. And it, it, it's also so satisfying because you, like you feel so strong. Like you feel mm -hmm. I feel accomplished. I feel physically stronger. And that is a great feeling. And my arms are the same size. So that's another fallacy, right? Another myth that if you gain muscle, you're going to get bigger. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. That's a lot of times I hear clients say, well, I want to get lean, but I don't want to get big. You know, I don't want to look like Hulk Hogan or whatever. <laughs> um, it, it takes years and years of eating a lot of food and training, training heavy, heavy, heavy to grow muscle to the size that we imagine is going to happen when we start a lifting program. Um, I wish I'm sure many people that, you know, are into lifting and wanting to grow like that are like, I wish it would take a little less time, but it takes years. So that is a big thing that I think that holds people back. You know, yes, when you lift, a lot of things change. Like you're taking pressure off your joints. Your posture is going to change. So yeah, your shoulders might pull back. 
which is great, right? But then your clothes fit differently. And so people freak out. Oh my gosh, I'm getting bigger. Like I'm going to turn into that thing that I don't want. No, your posture is getting better. Your shoulders are pulling back. You're taking pressure off your spine. You know, your core is actually working. Like we're doing a lot of good stuff here, but we're so used to our clothes fitting a certain way. Um, so what I always say is like, go buy some clothes that fit good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but don't, don't beat yourself up like that. And that's why taking photos is so important when you're going through any sort of a program at all, because we see ourselves every day. So we don't notice these little changes. And then when you start seeing, wow, like I'm standing up straighter, I look great. Like I, a lot has changed in a good way and I'm not giant, you know, I'm not that person that I thought I was going to be when I picked up a weight. It's so it's super important to do that. Oh, and take measurements. I, 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 I freaked out like at month nine or something, guys, I freaked out. And I was like, Victoria, I, I, this, this, I'm going backwards. And she's like, here's a photo from nine months ago. Here's your photo from last week. Observe. <laughs> and I went, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Like we can yeah. have distorted perspective. And that's an, a, another Another idea that I think might be false is that fat turns into muscle, right? So if you if you work out your abs, you're going to get muscles in in your abs, like like spot. What about the idea oh, of like spot? spot? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> um, I mean, there are ways to target certain areas, you know, eventually. But there's no like way to only target certain areas, you know what I mean? Because your whole body is going to be working towards the lifts. Um, but like, especially with core, a lot of that slow, steady state, like walking and stuff is important to shed that layer of fat that's kind of like hiding them. Um, and that's really important to think about like, yeah, you still want to work your core, especially through menopause when your body's going through all sorts of changes and maybe holding on to a layer of water um, or fat you can still work your muscles underneath. And when your body figures itself out through that time, you're still going to have the muscle there, you know? So that's important to remember, but yeah, I mean, spot, spot lifting or whatever. Can you lift it heavier in certain areas in your legs? You know, you want to get maybe bigger arms or whatever. Yes. Is it going to happen? Like, because you're only doing that area, you don't want the other areas. Probably not. You know, there are certain areas on different frames that hold muscle and weight differently. But as far as like, yeah, can't unfortunately just only target the belly, <laughs> even with one of those Darn things, it. shake yourself, your belly. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, it, but everything is connected. So when you're doing squats, you're, you know, and you're, and you're tightening your core, you're, you're doing something for your abs, right? Yeah. You're, it's not like you're only doing something for your legs. You're doing something for different parts of your body. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, core gets a lot of work with regular lifting in general, even if it's not a core specific workout. Um, so a lot of times like people will do tons and tons and tons of core because they want just to get their abs to pop. But you have to remember like you, those are muscles. They're going to get tired too. You don't want to do so much to where it takes away from your big lifts that are actually going to help your entire body. So you want to space it out to just like every other workout and not do too much, you know, but make sure that you're really tightening your abs throughout the other workouts that you're doing, even overhead stuff, you know, tighten your core. That's how we, and everybody has heard it, you know, that's how we get injured the most is our core goes like slack and then our back and stuff pulls out because we're putting too much strain on it. 
or Houdini, right? He got punched in, got punched in the stomach, and he wasn't clenching. Yeah, and he ended up getting a ruptured something and and dying. So, oh, so gosh. yeah. <laughs> Harry Houdini back in I don't know the 30s or the 20s or something like that. <laughs> he was known, so he was known for like you could just come and like hit him as hard as you could, and it, it wouldn't affect him because he was always so tight, ready. But someone just came up to him in a bar and didn't give him any. Like lead time just just surprised him, and of huh. course, yeah, it all makes sense now. It's very grim. Yeah, let's change the subject. Sorry, <laughs> I brought it up, but that's why it's so important. It may save your life to, to tighten yeah. your core. Yeah. Okay. So, say say you're again. Let's use the the woman in her early fifties, and in, instead of have done everything, I've, you know, I'm a, a good, healthy weight, and now suddenly things are slipping. Let's say you, you she's a a like needs to le- lose 20, 40, 50, 75 pounds or more. Would you give the same meal plan or the same? advice to that person as as you would to the person like me who was like I don't need to lose weight I just need to discover my abs again um the, like a macro breakdown or something well I mean you know uh, calories and macronutrient breakdown is going to be a little different for people in menopause um a lot of times it works a little better with the t- tad bit more fat um depending on where they're at through that stage, sometimes maybe a hundred or two less calories can be a good thing. So would it be a little bit different in that way from just like a person who's not going through that? Yes, for sure. Like the same exact person profile, weight, height, age, or not eight, well, not age, obviously, um, but same profile. Um, it would be a little bit different in that regard. At, it's really, really individualized though, because there's some women that are going through menopause that are like training really hard and they still need the extra calories. So you're not maybe going to take it that step low. So it's really about learning the person and seeing what, what it is they need and how their body responds. Once again, it brings us back to just making sure you're keeping track of what you're doing. So you know, what's working and what's not. Um, Cause it is, it really truly is like a, not a one size fits all kind of ordeal, especially during that phase. Um, and no matter where you go or who you go to, it's going to, I don't want to say it's going to be trial and error because there are things that are going to be set up that are very specific and known to work, but everybody's body responds differently. And especially your output, like I might walk just a tad bit faster and burn a little more calories than somebody else. And that makes the world of a difference, you know? So it's just about learning yourself as fast as possible in that stage and then changing with it as it goes. So, yeah, I I mean, there's no one size fits all answer for just about anything, anybody. We're all so different. We all, you know, have have so many variables and having to understand yourself. Okay, what do you say to someone who says, but Victoria, I hate working out. I hate it. I can't. I won't. I can't. (laughs) What do you say to someone who's just like, oh, working out? No. So I would say, what can we do that you don't necessarily absolutely hate to make your movement just a little bit more? Um, Everybody maybe would love to just sit on the couch all day, like all year. Probably not, not everybody, but you know what I'm saying? Like if we didn't have to output energy, like a lot of things we probably wouldn't do if we could just take the easier route. Um, But it might just mean going for a walk 
you know, it might just mean like stretching out a little in the morning or doing like a couple air squats here and there. It doesn't even matter. Like you don't have to go to the gym. Of course, you have to really dig into like your reasons why you're even considering these things that you hate and realizing the fact that you might have to do the thing. It might not be like at the intensity and it might not look like what you're assuming it would that you hate. Maybe you do it in a way that you like it. You know, maybe you get really fun, pretty weights or, um, you know what I mean? Make the room that you're in like more colorful or blast the music and get lights that sprinkle, you know? So just trying to like make the environment you're in something that's like something that you want to actually go to is helpful because you don't have to go to the gym. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, so I have the Lululemon mirror, whatever it's called. It keeps, the name keeps changing and I love it because I don't have to go to the gym and it's just there and I could do whatever. Um, my, my daughter, like she and my husband go to the gym. They love the gym. They love the people. They love the, 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 the schmoozing. I'm just like, no schmoozing, no energy, no. So it's finding (laughs) what you like and like dancing is exercise too. Like someone in, on Instagram said, like, my exercise is I dance and I don't feel like it's exercise. So it's finding that joyful movement yeah. that you can enjoy. Yeah. I um, mean, when you're putting your mind purposely towards making your body stronger in whatever way, that's kind of working out, you know, even if you're vacuuming and you're doing like donkey kicks along the floor as you're going along, you know, like when you're, when you're. Uh, I don't even do it dusting because I don't dust much, but maybe you tighten your core, you know, so just being mindful and of reach. your muscles. <laughs> exactly. Reach, stretch. Um, but just being mindful of your muscles in some way or form. If working out like the traditional way that you think of isn't your thing, it's okay. Walking is golden though. And everybody has been realizing that recently. Um, you can even add a little bit of weight when you're walking. Like they, people go ruck now, they go in the rucksacks and they have all like the backpack things, or maybe they tie stuff to their ankles, you know, the, the weights, you know, stuff like that, that adds a little resistance. So. Yeah. I, I, I should actually remember to put it on, but I have a weighted vest. Yeah. And just wearing that weighted vest, which is 15 pounds, makes such a difference. Yeah. It is a lot harder. (laughs) Exactly. And I know all the mamas know what that's like. (laughs) Yes. The kids. So, yes, exactly. But it's more weighted in one in evenly. (laughs) Right. Right. You can't do anything. Walking is great, you know, but remembering what you're trying to aim for and you know this, I've said it a million times to you, I'm sure, but just really digging into your why, like why are the reasons why you're trying to get stronger? Whatever those reasons are, everybody's got different ones. I'm sure it comes down to like a very general idea that we all have, um, just a healthier, longer lifestyle. And really digging into that will help push you out of your comfort zone a lot and do the things that maybe you kind of aren't really into. So. And it- 
answering my own question that I asked you, I would also say that like, when you start doing it and you start feeling stronger, it's such an amazing feeling of accomplishment. When I went from like my, my pathetic three pound kickback, tricep kickbacks and my daughter and my husband, they're just so, they're just like monster gym people and they would laugh at me. Aww. When I went to four pounds, I was like, Oh, I'm stronger. Like that three pound yeah. feels like nothing. And then when we went to five pounds, it was like, this feels awesome. You just get such a, such a like great feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. As opposed to some drudgery you've got to do. And then when I hit 10 pounds, I was like, <laughs> family, check this out. And now at 15 pounds, I'm really full of myself. <laughs> but but it, it's such a great, it, it's like you, you, you're not always going to be where you are. Right. And you can't imagine exactly. how fast you can progress. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, you know, making those little challenges for yourself too. You know, like I want to try to lift a couple pounds heavier in a few months, like challenge yourself. Think about what you're doing. You know, don't just go in there and lift it, you know, actually think about, okay, how'd that feel? Like, am I squeezing the right parts? Like, what do I want to accomplish here? And that kind of can take your mind off the fact of like that you're in a spot where maybe you're, you like to work out now. So that's good. But maybe with some people, they don't uh, make it a little game, you know, how fast can I walk around the block this time? You know, things like that. I listen to audiobooks when I work out. Like, yeah. I don't even listen to music. I listen to my audiobook. So I'm like, wow, I'm multitasking. I'm listening <laughs> to a really fun murder mystery while working out. This is awesome. It's like my me time. It's true. It's true. Just don't get into the habit of going on Amazon during your rest periods. Oh, that. rest periods. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because that's really an important part of it. Can you just speak to, to that piece? Like the rest within the workout? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we want to try to use the muscle as much as possible. So we don't want to blast through each lift. You know, we're doing bicep curls. We don't want to just be like fling, 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 fling in our arms. We want to take our time and lift. And when you're actually using the muscle, um, it needs a little bit of rest in between each set. So that way you're getting the most time. I mean, the most out of that lift. Uh, a lot of times it really depends on what your trainer or you are programming, but, or even if you had an app that did it for you, a lot of times the rest periods anywhere, usually from 30 to 90 seconds, 30 seconds. Great. Right. Okay, some people, most people can do 30 seconds. 60 seconds, we're pushing it. 90 seconds, which is often where, especially with lower body work or bigger muscle work, is kind of like the bottom line of where you want to rest. Like there's been some lifts where I've actually had to rest for four minutes in between. Four minutes. You know how much you could buy wow. on Amazon in four minutes of rest? So, yes, I do. <laughs> but it's important because your body needs that and the way your muscles are like regenerating the energy to put out for the next lift. Um, your body needs that amount of time to actually perform. And you don't want to like be, okay, I'm lifting a 60 pound squat this one, but I didn't rest enough. So now I can only actually do 50 pounds. And on your last one, you're like only 30. And that wasn't supposed to be like that. If you give yourself enough time to rest, you're actually going to hit your, hit the goals like you want to, even if it's a two pound weight, you know, you're doing the tricep kickbacks at three pounds and you're just doing a whole bunch. You take a couple seconds off. You try to do it again. Your body's going to be like, no, it doesn't mean you can't do it. it. Just means you're supposed to rest in between, you know, so take the time, listen to audio podcasts are good. Um, music dance. You're kind of getting a little cardio in between. 
you know, so whatever it, whatever it takes, I'm sure you've seen people in the gym <laughs> dancing around, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, whatever you need to do, make sure you take the rest periods that's in whatever program you're using, even if it's an online thing. I know they give you options often to just skip. Do not hit the skip button. Take the rest. So rest is really, it's rest, but it's in the service of building that important muscle because muscle requires more energy than fat and it can make you smaller. So if you build muscle, you actually, for women, we actually get smaller. Yeah. I mean, when you're burning, when you're building muscle, you're going to look obviously leaner, you know, and a muscle when you're, when, after you've done workouts and stuff, your body actually burns fat for longer burns more calories for longer after a strength training session than a cardio training session. So yeah, I mean, overall you're, you're doing your metabolism, your body just in general, a, a huge favor by lifting, but the rest in the lifts is going to help you get the most out of the lifts that you're doing. So that way you're actually like getting the effect that you're looking for with the energy you're putting out. That is really important. Cause I had actually never heard that before. So that is super important. And I mean, until I met you, obviously yeah. that's where, I, um, and also just going more slowly instead of, like you said, like, whoop, 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 yeah. you know, just that slow lift is also so important. Yeah. And yeah, making sure you're taking your time and going through each motion as it's meant to be and not just using momentum to help you is really important. And you'll notice the difference right away. I mean, even if you just slow it down, like by a second, you're going to be like, Whoo, hold on a second. <laughs> that didn't just feel like that. You know, um, it doesn't mean you have to pause or hold or do any isometric work, just like slowing down the actual movement and not flinging it up, you know, or not bouncing too much, just using the muscle that you're aiming for to do the work. Um, that's where the magic happens. And even again, this is my experience with you, just having a lighter weight but doing it more slowly was more difficult than doing a heavier weight more quickly. Yeah, exactly. And Momentum. Yep. I mean, when you're, if you're going fast, your body is going to do whatever it takes to help itself get that weight up. So if it's like a heavier weight and you're trying to target a specific muscle, but your that muscle is not there yet your body's going to recruit other muscles to help it. And okay, so yeah, you lifted a heavier weight, but like, what about the muscle we're trying to target? Did that get as much work as what we're trying to aim for? Like you want to get your butt bigger? Well, if, you're, if your butt's not doing the work we want it to do, then you're not going to get your butt as big as you want, as fast as you want. You know what I mean? So it's better to like take our ego down a little bit and lift a little bit lighter weight and realize that when you slow down and you're actually contracting, for example, your glute, um, you're working your glute, you know, or you're working your bicep instead of everything else that's supporting it. Just trying to be like, come on, body, let's go. <laughs> like you got this. <laughs> there oh, are that's times for heavy lifts and, you know, using momentum and stuff, but for like the basic majority of the time, just having that, you know, slow purposeful movement is important. That's really helpful. And then the last thing I think that we should talk about is here I am with my half gallon jug of water. My second of the day, I'm, oh, it's and only 12.45 in, in California time. When I met Victoria, she said, you have to drink a gallon of water a day. And I said, 
that's never going to happen. I hate water. I can't drink water. But I did. I mean, I was going to do what she told me. So I did. I added things to make it taste good. And immediately I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm not getting a headache in the afternoon. Oh, I'm not having to drink coffee in the afternoon. I feel great. Everything's working really well. And then the most amazing thing, I got my makeup done for a shoot. And my makeup artist, who is the one who always does my makeup, said, what are you doing to your skin? You look younger. I was like, where's the water? So <laughs> tell tell us about why water is such an important piece of fitness. I mean, our bodies are made up of tons of water. We're, you know, we're like a little cactus um, and, and we need it for everything to function, you know, especially our metabolism, but everything thrives when you're hydrated, especially your skin, like we don't even real like we'll buy all the creams in the world but once we start drinking water it's awesome you know the flowers on the cactus bloom so water is just really important we overlook it a lot um sorry if my dog is barking can't make her stop um but yes it's you know a half a gallon at minimum is really important and then up to a gallon would be great um, making sure that you find ways to fit in the liquid into your lifestyle um so that way it's you're not up all night using the bathroom, you know, or having to stop when you're driving the car, you know, things like that, depending on what you do. Um, also keeping in mind that hydration does include other sources of liquids besides water. So like you said, you flavored it. Um, seltzer waters are great. I get tired of water. So I'll have like kombucha or, you know, some poppy probiotic drinks, you know, just switching it up some, it doesn't have to be only water. Um, even on days that you maybe didn't get enough drinking wise, they say 80% can come from liquids, 20% can come from food. So uh, fruits, especially in the summertime, like watermelon, yum, um, or any berries, things like that, vegetables that have water, you're, you'll still stay hydrated. So if you can't, for some reason, get the amounts in, look at other foods too that you're eating. Um, but hydration is just extremely important. Um, keeping electrolyte balance through summertime when you're sweating more is important. And a lot of times we overlook our hunger, and everything. And a lot of times it's hydration. So, you know, we're really, really thirsty. A lot of us, most of us, <laughs> we don't realize, um, how little we drink because we're busy and sometimes it's hard. You know, you, you have the water glass sitting right in the thing and it's empty for hours, you know, keep a little cooler near your desk and fill it up. If you can't leave, you know, anything that you can pre-prep to keep near you. But like you said, hydration, it's, plays a part in so much it even helps your sleep such a game changer and at first I, I i mean i the first night i was up like five times in the middle of the night yeah. and, and then your body just gets used to it and now it's there people say what you drink a gallon of water a day like aren't you have to be like right by a bathroom at all times like no it's just like it just it's just now like normal how yeah. it's not any more than it was before if i may yeah. be so graphic but yeah i mean it's gonna your body's starting to use it more you know it's it's distributing it in areas that are needed like i said like a cactus you know when the flowers bloom it's like oh I got water, a little bit of water. I'm going to make a flower. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then if you can get more, your body holds it in like that. And 
and you're hydrated, which is nice. <laughs> yes, very nice. Uh, impacts all parts of your 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 well being, including your skin. So, you know, skip the Botox, drink the water. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Victoria, this has been super helpful. We only have a couple minutes left. Please tell people. Um, I just want to know, we have enough time. Just tell us a little bit about being, about your, your, your paddleboarding. Okay. Life. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I paddled, well, I mean, I paddle race, I paddleboard race just in general for a bunch of years now, probably eight years more. Um, I'm assuming you mean the crossing. I paddled from Cuba to Key West in 2018. Gosh, that was so long ago now. Um, it, I, it was a world record attempt. I did it. I beat the guy's time, which was awesome. Uh, I did it in 27 hours and 48 minutes nonstop. Uh, I ate Oreos. <laughs> um, but just so you can see what what it requires is I ate 7,000 calories in that time frame. I obviously, and I mean, maybe not obviously, but I didn't gain, gain any weight, you know, so just so you- Probably lost weight. Body, yeah, how your body <laughs> utilizes the fuel. Um it's important to remember too that sometimes when you're working out, having the things that work well for your body, like I had Oreo cookies, I had a fettuccine Alfredo, I had PB&J, those are not the things that people would think of somebody, oh, you're, you're like a healthy person and you do all this stuff. No, I ate cookies when I was paddling, a lot of them. <laughs> and when I was practicing, I actually like sat on people's docks to test out food and some of the food was like pizza slices, you know, so getting the nutrients in that you need. But yes, so I paddled from Cuba to Key West. Amazing. It was a good adventure through the dark, no sharks. Oh my uh, gosh. I can't even believe you did that. <laughs> so, all right. So for, for, please tell us for the listeners out there who are interested in working with you because you work with a range of different people. Tell us how p people can, can reach you and find out more about, about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the best way to reach me would be through my, um, my personal company, which is tactical athlete nutrition. Um, and I have the website tactical athlete .com, and my information is all on there with my email and stuff. So that would be the best spot to connect if you're interested. And you can also reach out to me and I will put you in touch with Victoria for sure. If that doesn't work, which I don't know why it wouldn't, but just putting it out there. Oh, Victoria, thank you so much for coming yes, on the so show fun. and sharing your, your, your knowledge and your expertise and normalizing so much. It was really, really valuable and helpful. And, um, you're the best. What can I say? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was great being here. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.